0: Howdy, folks. This is good old JR. Jim Ross. I want to thank you for downloading the Ross Report. And I certainly want to thank all the sponsors. We've got some great sponsors who make this possible every single week.
1: He's considered the greatest broadcaster in wrestling history. Yes, sir! And now, WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross, the legendary voice you heard calling every major wrestling match in human history, (laughs) brings his famous friends to the podcast world. Nice!
0: Welcome to the Ross Report. Hello again, everybody, and yes, Slava Knocker Audio is on the air. I thank you very much for downloading our program, Podcast One. And Apple Podcasts, we appreciate it. And I encourage you, if you haven't subscribed, to go to Apple Podcasts. Subscribe for free. and That way, every Tuesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern, our new episode will be downloaded automatically into the device of your choosing. This week, big show, big time. Wade Keller, Pro Wrestling Torch, the guru of that publication, will be joining me to talk about the Clash of Champions and many other things including the ring of honor pay-per-view and uh, some news of note that to come momentarily with Wade. And then uh, in this program, we'll talk to Conan, one of the most creative brightest minds in all of pro wrestling will join me. And uh, he's got a lot to talk about. He's got two gigs that he's working on, maybe more than that. And we'll talk about his new gig that just had a TV taping, a pilot in Nashville, the his new Lucha show. So, a lot of great things going on there with Conan. He's a busy guy. He'll come up here in a little bit later. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, by God, you know it. You want it. You need it. It's what's on my mind. It's time. It's time. It's- what's
1: on JR's mind.
0: The biggest thing on my mind is the fact that this Wednesday at noon on Ticketfly.com, uh, we have a brand new event we're going to roll out at the... Royal Rumble weekend. It's called Slobberknocker Sessions. It is a, going to be an intimate, exclusive VIP, uncensored Q and A. Plus, knocker. the book will be there very prominently because if you're one of the 100 folks that buy a ticket, you're, you're going to get a free knocker book signed by me, customized by me if you choose, and that's going to be pretty cool, I think. So, very intimate atmosphere. 100 tickets will be put on sale on Wednesday. Get them early. Ticketfly.com. 75 bucks gets you a free book signed. Also gets you the free telephone uh, photo on your phone. We do that. That's a $20 value, by the way. It's, it's a good thing. I think we put together a real cool package. I think you'll like it. It's a smaller group, more one-on-one time, better Q&As. Just a lot more fun, I think, because everybody gets more attention. So be one of the 100. Join me in Philly on uh, Sunday, high noon, and by the way, uh, we're going to be having this event, you probably want to know that, at the Diamond Club, a Citizens Bank uh, ballpark, of course, home of the Philadelphia Phillies. The Diamond Club, the ballpark, is within an easy walk. Matter of fact, I think their there parking lots adjoin each other to the Royal Rumble Arena site. Paid parking is available nearby at Lot K, I'm told. K as in Kenny. Kenny. So remember that really a a new concept 100 folks keep it kind of cool i think it's going to be good so uh join us if you can sunday january 28th royal rumble weekend in philadelphia starts at noon tickets go on sale this wednesday december 20th at noon at ticketfly.com hope you get your tickets early don't miss us so it'll be a lot of fun you know we had a great show in boston last week golly uh my producer, Raphael Morphe, did a great job of uh, leading me around and getting me where I needed to be. Uh, Jeremy Borash, as usual, delivered big time. It was colder than hell, I can tell you that. Uh, we had a lot of folks turn out, which I sincerely appreciate. Great Q&A. We had the Knocker books there, some sauce and so forth, and we sold a bunch of that. And I signed a lot of books, which I really love doing. So I appreciate Boston coming out and, and helping us out. Radio, TV, the whole nine yards, you guys are all in, and we appreciate that very, very much. So those things are coming up. I'm really excited about this Royal Rumble weekend. I think you're going to have a lot of fun. If you're going to come to the Royal Rumble, if you're in the Philadelphia area, remember the whole facility there, the the compound, if you will, the football stadium, the baseball park, and the arena are all basically on the same grounds. So check that out. Join me Wednesday high noon at ticketfly.com. Now, man, we got a a ton of stuff in the show today. It is packed. So I will tell you this. That's what's on my mind. Respect is not given. A hearty welcome to Steve Kerr.
1: What a thrill to have listened to you all these years. It is earned. He's Basketball Hall of Famer John Calipari. You okay. still have the great voice of all time. Sound of Success. The Dick Enberg Podcast. Tennis Hall of Famer Billy Jean King.
2: I just hope everyone listening understands what an icon you are.
1: Exclusively on Podcast One Sportsnet. He's my all-American friend Bill Walton. Dick Enberg. I
0: love you. Get episodes every Thursday on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Well, we are in the midst of the holiday season, quite obviously. I hope you've got your shopping done. But if you haven't, I have a suggestion for you. Check out www.shop.com. Look at our barbecue sauces, our chipotle ketchup, the jalapeno honey mustard, great seasoning, all-purpose rub, beef jerky. It's all there, ready to be shipped to your home very quickly, very efficiently by www.shop.com. Hey, I've been trying to watch my diet, so I kind of splurged the other day. I had four little pieces of chicken breast. They were sad little breasts. They weren't enhanced. But I had that and a little bit of my hot barbecue sauce in a little skillet. I warmed it all up. I cut me some onions up in it. And uh, I made a little funky thing with some Paul Newman salsa. And I mixed it all together, and I had me a hell of a little snack. The salsa's no fat. The chicken breasts were healthy, grilled. And a little bit of my hot barbecue sauce it was just perfect. So there's a lot of ways to use it. My wife, Janie, used to make us meatloaf with the chipotle ketchup. Ooh, my baby, baby. Uh, that gives me an idea for, for something for Christmas. Meatloaf. How about that? So check it out, www.shop.com. I appreciate your support on, of our projects there. And remember, the JR's original is my mama's original recipe, or as close as we could get it based on her notes that we found in the family Bible health store. I'll tell you someday. And also remember if you're looking for a tire, like tops, shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, t-shirts, and any of our designs. I like the slobber knocker shirt, but there's a lot of cool ones that they have at pro wrestling, slash Jim Ross. Great people in Chicago. they got a wonderful resale store and they do great things for our business and helping guys. Hulk Hogan's got a store there. Steve Austin's got a store there. Kevin Nash has got a store there. A lot of the guys are doing business with ProWrestlingTees.com, as am I. So uh, check them out, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Jim Ross for shirts. They come up in a size 5X. That's why I'm eating more chicken breast. I don't want to be a 5X. Just me, just saying. There's good folks, good people. They're wrestling fans serving other wrestling fans. And that's about as good as you can get. The Ross Report. Always good to catch up with Wade Keller. He's been around a long time. Not as long as me. He's not an old man. He's a young man, but he's a, quite the entrepreneur. Wade, thank you, and happy holidays. Thank you, Jim. Happy holidays to you. Tell my audience, for the, those that may not know, I can't imagine that, about the Pro Wrestling Torch and your many audio ventures and how fans can easily access all your content because you've got a, you've got a full plate.
1: Boy, do I ever. Yes. Uh, Well, the main focus is I'm proud to be part of the Podcast One family since July, and we drop four new shows per week, uh, every Tuesday in the early a.m. hours, just a few hours after Raw ends. We've got our uh, post-Raw show, and we do the same thing uh, on Tuesday nights, so that drops in the early a.m. hours on Wednesday, covering SmackDown. We have on-site correspondence and a co-host, and we answer emails. Then we have our Thursday flagship, covering a broad array of topics, and then we have our Interview Friday format, Lance Storm. Is uh, the current interview part one ran last Friday? Part two coming up this Friday. So just search Wade Keller wherever you listen to podcasts, including and especially at podcastone.com or on the Podcast One app. Uh, search Wade Keller on Apple Podcasts. Also, we'd love to have you try out our show and add it to your uh, list of podcasts that you listen to each week. And then our main website is pwtorch.com, that's got results breaking news, editorials, flashbacks, all kinds of cool stuff every single day updated. It'll keep you up to date on what's going on. You can also read my reports, such as Clash of Champions Sunday night. I was uh, live covering that. uh, As the show took place, you could hit refresh on your phone or laptop and see what I think of that. And uh, same thing every Monday and Tuesday for Raw and SmackDown. Um, So that's that's probably enough of a plug. I mean, there's other things, but MMATorch.com, if you're into UFC, check out our uh, team at our sister site covering the world of of ufc and bellator and such
0: you ever get tired of watching wrestling Mm,
1: that's sort of a trick question because i always enjoy it when i'm watching it but there's times that there's so much wrestling to watch Mm -hmm. that i get pulled to other things that i think i should do for balance in my life if that makes sense so Kind of the the, the, uh, the cop-out answer is, if there was like 20 more hours in the week, sure. I'd spend a number of them watching more wrestling. <laughs> but in order to achieve balance, because the accessibility to so much great wrestling current and now retro that I'd love to relive is so great. I never run out of things I want to watch, but I run out of time.
0: Yeah, sure. I understand. I praise the DVR gods. I can program my own time. I can watch it when I want to watch it in yeah. any form, long form, fast-forward to the commercials, whatever. So uh, that's kind of my deal. You said you watched the Clash of the Champions in Boston this past Sunday night. Yep. Uh, I was in Boston a few, a little bit earlier. I left that morning, actually. What did you think of the show? Uh, I watched it as well uh, at home in my Apple TV. <laughs> I feel very refined now that I know how to hook my iPad through my Apple television and watch the WWE Network. But nonetheless, what did you think of the show?
1: I thought it was kind of middle of the road. I thought that there were some good aspects to it. I, I think in the end I felt like I hadn't watched something that felt particularly important in the ongoing saga of WWE storylines. Um, I didn't think there was great depth there. I thought that AJ uh, Styles had a, uh, a good but not great AJ Styles match, and Jinder Mahal uh, looked about as good as he has looked. But it didn't it, – I, I wouldn't at the end of it say, oh, yeah, now uh, – now Jinder Mahal proved that you know, he can headline pay-per-views. I think he's a notch short of that. And I thought the, the, the co-main event with uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn against Shinsuke and Randy didn't have kind of that big moment where you were like, alright, I'm glad that, you know, I, I feel like I invested my time to see a big payoff to this storyline that's been dominating SmackDown each week. It felt like a to-be-continued. Um, and, and that's fine, but I think the show needed something else to bring it up another level. And, and like the women's match, it was all about the Lumberjacks. The, uh, the tag match with a talent like Shinsuke and a talent like Randy was all about Shane and, and Brian. So I thought there, were, there just wasn't that show-stealing match or big storyline development or major title change that put it over the top. So yeah, it was, I mean, but I didn't have any major complaints either. It was actually one of those shows where I don't think that there was there were fewer talking points, really good or really bad, coming out of it. It sort of just delivered an acceptable three hours. Mm-hmm.
0: I thought that the uh, Lumberjacks, albeit a good idea on paper, the way it was executed somewhat uh, took me away from the title and the championship opportunities that Natty had. I came out of there still thinking that I believe that Charlotte's the best female wrestler I've ever seen. I had some really great athletic women. In the attitude era but boy she's 5'10 and she's strong and i mentioned the other day she's like a she reminds me of a female hulk hogan bigger tan great body i know she's really been working on her selling because i thought she had a good night selling and but she had to because she was getting attacked you know
1: i thought with the superstar shakeup however many months ago earlier this year that SmackDown was being set up to be the Charlotte and AJ Styles brand. Mm-hmm. And we got thrown a curveball. Charlotte ended up just in the mix with, you know, others with Naomi on top and the Carmella Money the Bank storyline and other things going on. And she just ended up kind of in the background and treated like just another part of the ensemble, which was not at all what I expected and not what I advocated for. I think for the reasons you said, she just has a star yeah. presence. Mm-hmm. I would like to see her be less robotic in her the ring entrance routine, I actually talked to Lance Storm about this because he had uh, consulted with some NXT wrestlers uh, at one point about this, and it was one of the critiques he had of them is, you know, make sure that when you're doing your ring entrance routine, whether it's on the stage, on the ramp, or as you enter the ring, that it doesn't feel like an empty arena rehearsal, but that you're feeding off the fans' energy. Mm-hmm. And that's something I experienced with Hulk Hogan in the AWA, even before Vince McMahon signed him, he fed off the fans' energy. And I was just a little kid then, pre-teen, just huge into wrestling. At that point, uh, I just looked starstruck by this Hulkamania taking, taking shape. And he fed off the audience in a way that just sucked me in as a fan. I was like, wow, this guy needs me in order to win. And I think there's a little bit – she's a product of a system that trains people where to look, where to step, almost like there's uh, foot outlines. I think that was Lance Storm's example, foot outlines on, on the stage, where you step here, step there to the speed of the music. And I see some of that on her promos, too. And then she loosens up on Talking Smack yeah. on Sunday night, and right. you get to see, that's who I want to see. So I'd like to see them
0: loose, let her be her a little bit more. I don't, think it's her, I don't think it's them letting her be anything. I think it's her getting more comfortable in a live environment as the, as the wrestler. I think it's absolutely, you saw how comfortable she was, as you mentioned in the uh, post-game show with Sam and Renee. But I think it's a matter of way to really getting comfortable. I can't imagine anybody with any logic looking at the two, the characters and how they're different on Talking Smack and how they might be, in your view, as you said, and I can understand that, a little bit stiffer on live TV. I think it's a matter of getting in finding her comfort level and building on it. So I'd like to see her expand on what she did on Talking Smack and see where that takes her. I think it would, she would get over even bigger, without a doubt. What you're pointing out, it's a good point. So. But I, I like her, and I, yeah. I, I thought the show was – I enjoyed watching it. I, maybe I was ready to watch a completely no-channel-changing, just here I am, and, and see how the, the thing was going. I, I saw some things on I liked, and some talents that I thought were making have made me notice them, like Rusev, Yusos. Rusev's really good. Uh, Rusev is a, a potential babyface in the making. People organically like him. When he smiles, he kind of lights up the room. In any event, you mentioned a moment ago that about Hulk and Minnesota AWA—that was your territory, your your home team when you were a young lad growing up and and watching wrestling, as many of us did at that age. Fellow Minnesotan Tom Zink passed away recently, age fifty-nine. I've never heard the cause of death. Do you know anything about that situation?
1: No, and I've been asking around. It's kind of mysterious. <laughs> that the you know the funeral is weeks away. He died days ago, and it just the notification just hit the uh, local Minneapolis newspaper on Sunday. I, I had people uh, messaging me, you know, asking me, "Is this the Tom Zink?" You know, and they're like, "Well, the, the, the name match or the there's not that many Tom Zinks. Obviously, it's not like John Anderson, and the uh, the age matched up. But you know, it was just he had kind of dropped out of the local wrestling scene, and so people continue to ask. You know, me and I've been asking around, you know, do we know more? And and we don't. We just know that he died at the hospital. So I'm thinking uh, we'll get some information on this, you know, relatively soon, unless he just completely isolated himself from anybody, uh, which to my knowledge was the case in in recent years uh, on the local indie scene. The people that I know who were around him years ago had just kind of been asking each other, hey, whatever happened to Tom? You know, he was kind of a subject like that. I think I even see, saw online at one point somebody started a blog going, whatever happened to Tom Zank? You know, kind of like, you know, finding Richard Simmons. So it, it, as of this moment, um, I, I'm saddened by it. I knew, I knew Tom. I'd seen him at a lot of indie wrestling shows. Uh, we had some uh, common friends. And, but I had lost touch with him like most people here in Minnesota
0: had in recent years. Interesting, cat. Seemed to carry a big chip on his shoulder. And I say that not because I doubt his motivation, but because it's a sad lot to wish on anybody that they're carrying around this never-shrinkening chip on their shoulder. And he was unhappy yep. about a lot of things, and I think he felt like he maybe underachieved. You know, another thing, Wade, the common sense part of this deal, two things. One's a personal thing for me because I have sleep apnea, and it's severe. He may have had sleep apnea, but went undiagnosed forever. Yeah. And if so, it'll cause a heart attack. I stopped breathing 99 times in a 60-minute sleep test. Not good. And the other thing is, if you're off the grid, he's not working. He may not have insurance. If he doesn't have insurance, he may have not been able to take care of himself. The old annual physicals, blood work, and all those things. So, and I've known guys that way. You know, they find out that man they're in bad shape, and how did this happened. Well, I haven't been to the doctor in like four years or five years. That type of deal. Because they didn't have insurance, so a lot of things could be the thing here. But it's just odd that all this information is like sludge, it's not coming out very quickly. The funeral set for January thirteenth, I think. And it's just strange how it all came about. I'm like you, I'm saddened by it. He's a good-looking guy, great uh, athletic body, you know, good physique. Uh, had a pretty good aptitude for the business. He got saddled with Brian Pillman, which is always going to be an adventure, and uh, you know, and they they did fine. So I, I feel badly for him, and that's one, another good reason to keep up with the Torch, folks, pwtorch.com because as soon as no way is going to have something on his side as soon as he finds out conclusively what's going on. So
1: Well, t- once the death tra- certificate is signed, um, then it becomes, you know, releasable to the media, and that, unless there's extenuating circumstances, mm-hmm. should be a matter of days. Yeah. You know, I think before the end of the year there'll be, there'll be some detail on it, and, and, you know, hopefully, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what to hope, you know, it's, 59 is
0: too young. Yeah, if you find out anything, we'll, uh, we'll be looking forward to that information from you. Have you kept up with any of the Twitterverse jousting between uh, Jim Cornette and others on his side of the fence and the Young Bucks and others on their side of the fence? I don't know why uh, somebody has been making sure I see it, and I don't know why, what I'm supposed to do. I mean, I'm going to talk about the Ring of Honor before we jump off here, but I don't know how, how I'm supposed to get involved. What is your observation of that, or have you noticed there's something going on?
1: I don't pay real close attention, and I feel like – I hear – like you, I hear about it when others kind of bring it up to me, which isn't very often, to be honest, but I, my take from what I have seen, and I'm not speaking to any specifics in the last few days, is that I think they both see it as good for their brand <laughs> um, to feud with each other. Um, and I think they see that it's sort of like partisan politics rally rally the people who are on your side by uh, being bombastic in response to people who have have differing opinions or philosophies than you. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm probably, from a wrestling stylistic standpoint, more on Jim Cornette's side uh, than the Young Bucks, but I'm also uh, followed this business enough to have seen many different styles work and many different styles of wrestling appeal to different fans right. and some people get really really attached to one style and that's the only style that they'll ever accept and i have my personal favorites and i think sometimes young bucks become a parody of wrestling and it's not my favorite thing um and i am more into uh, a, a more realistic foundational approach uh, keeping things in the ring making the moves uh, seem like they're part of how a real fight would go within sort of a structure. And I see the, the books vary from that a little too much. I think they did Friday night, again, to my taste. But it's not all about me. <laughs> you know, it's all, oh, what, come what, on. You're,
0: t- you're, being <laughs> too, you're being too hard on yourself.
1: <laughs> I think that if people want, if people love what the Young Bucks do, if That's people true. love Chikara Pro, um, if people love Lucha Libra, I mean, like, there's all these different styles. then more power to them for making it work for them and their audience, and that's where I differ with Jim Cornett, And that I don't think that there should be a, di- a dictatorship of sorts, of sorts telling people what style they're allowed to like. So I agree with Cornette. I'm more in line with Cornette on what I like, but I'm much more flexible in letting let people enjoy a different style if they want. That's, and yeah,
0: I agree. Obviously, I'm an old-school guy. I'm a Mid-South disciple. And uh, UWF and the physicality that Cowboy Bill Watts demanded from his athletes. Uh, was I haven't experienced anything like it since. And then the Dusty Era was kind of wild and woolly. I like that. Flair and Steamboats, three matches, 89. I'll never forget those. They're wonderful. But I've mellowed in my older age, especially this year. Had a couple ups and downs I hope I would never have to experience again. But I am a lot more open-minded and a lot more willing to let others express their opinion without me going crazy. It's like you said. To me, it's like going out to a restaurant. If I like lucha wrestling, I'm going to the Mexican restaurant. If I want, you know, bread and butter, bacon and eggs, steak and potato type deal, then that's, I'm going to, that's old school. That's where I'll go. If I want to clean my diet up and I want to eat healthy, then I'm going to eat something else. Point is, there's a lot of good food out there. There's a lot of good product out there. It's not all the products, not for everybody. Bottom line for me. The more people that are good people that are trying to make a living in our business, the better off the business is. And the happier I am because others then are getting to live their dream. Just like I did when I was a fat kid with an Oklahoma accent trying to get on television. So I I have no issues with it. And I think as far as the young bucks are concerned, Wade, they probably could teach some of the guys about being better entrepreneurs and marketers because they seemingly have a feel for their audience Uh, who their audience is, where they are, and what they will buy. And, man, that's a hell hell of a skill.
1: And I think the Young Bucks play to an audience that's looking for something different than the predominant WWE brand. And I I admire and encourage any alternative, especially in 2017 going into 2018, with the behemoth that WWE is. They found a formula that works for a large international audience. And there's a lot that I like about uh, what WWE does with their style. Um, And there's things I Disagree with and would like to see change and think it would be good for business to change. Even if the, the authority has kind of co-opted that term and taken ownership of it, what's best for business, um, it, you know, should kind of guide how you judge objectively. You know, the, the product and, and the style that the, the approach that they take to the style they promote.
0: I, I know. Um, I know this. I know this, Wade, and that is if uh, my theory has always been, I would like to see fewer risk taken. Where the risk-reward factor is completely out of proportion. Oftentimes, those amazing risk that could really put you on the shelf for a long time isn't even the finish. And then I also believe that sometimes, in all matches, no matter what company, you can see and sense a over choreographing of sequences inside the ring, and that kind of bothers me. It, yeah. I've always liked yeah. the spontaneity, the the outrageous uh, ad libs, you know, audibles called. Feeling it, That's what I think kind of got me hooked when I was a kid. Yeah. So I I just think that there should be, that should be addressed. But, hey, look, these kids are making money, providing for their families. I wish they would, all of them are taking massive bumps. Anytime you're taking bumps on the apron or on the floor, you're flirting with a disaster. Quite frankly, just what you're doing. And speaking of taking bumps on the apron, what a segue that was. You see a lot of that in New Japan. You see a lot of that in New Japan. When and where, how, will you watch the uh, New Japan world? Because I know you're going to be consuming the, the, the card. And are you eager to see Jericho and Omega?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I, in fact, I mean, I think they were really, really smart about how they promoted it last week. I talked a lot about that um, with Lance Storm and on the uh, the flagship show last week. We spent a lot of time talking about the, the Omega and Jericho approach at that press conference and the angle the night before. I loved it, and and I thought it was really savvy to take, Kenny Omega's had such phenomenal, you know, five star plus matches uh, in the last couple of years. For Jericho to go in and and try to top it or be compared to that, it, maybe he can, you know, be in that category. But I would rather see them reframe it, and they've done this great job reframing it as this heated grudge match, and it's about violence. And it, as as uh, as Mega puts it in in the great japanese to english back to japanese translation language uh it won't be a gentleman's battle uh it'll be a fight and i, I thought the framing of that was really savvy because i think what you g- people are going to look forward to now is something that feels different than uh, uh just a classic wrestling match it's a heel and a face with a grudge and i think jericho can be at this point in his career really at any point in his career great at that but i think it's it's For for Kenny Omega to be in a co-main event with that approach is going to give him a chance to show some diversity of match style against somebody like Jericho, who is as respected as anyone when it comes to the uh, the art of putting a match together and and telling that story in the ring. I think Kenny's going to come out of this better, uh, a better performer, having had the experience of working a top-level match against Jericho, framed as it was last week. Um, what, what did you think of that, Jim, the, the, the press no, conference? I liked it.
0: You know, I, had, I talked to Chris last Monday, the night after the uh, angle where Kenny got bloodied, and then the next day was the press conference. Between the angle and the press conference, Chris and I had a conversation here on the, uh, on my show, and, you know, he's really all over the creator of this thing. He's, he's the general of that, of that yeah. army, and he's, he's steering this, the ship. I know this from my experience. And this, is going to, this may sound, you know, somebody that's a big fan of New Japan or somebody that's a big Kenny Omega fan is going to probably think, I'm uh, stirring the crap. I'm not. Over the years, in my experience, the two guys have got to have an understanding to be safe and unselfish and go over things that they think that they want to try to work in the storytelling. But once all that preliminary stuff has been completed, once you get in the ring and the bell sounds, this is Jericho's show. The heel should call the match. Because at the end of the day, I'm thinking the babyface is going to win. So the more stronger you can make Jericho and the better flow the match has. And he's the one that should be, I, I believe he's the guy that should be dictating the flow. He's got the most experience, the most big ma- big game matches, the WrestleManias, all this stuff. And he's a bright son of a gun. Omega should look at this thing as, man, all I got to do now is just go out there and execute. Because he can damn sure do that big time. And he's also a good strategist. Don't doubt about that. But you can't have two generals. And there's only room at the front of the line for one guy. And that one, the front of the line meaning who's going to call the match? Who's going who's to steer the bus? And I think it should be Jericho for the obvious reasons of experience and not only tenure of years, but also how the heel leads the story. But I like the way they've done their business. And for somebody to say that this match will never happen again, <laughs> if it draws the way they think it's going to draw, People will be falling all over themselves to get them to do another one. Yeah. What about, uh, you know, New Japan's going to have a live show in Long Beach in March. Interesting. They've got more tickets to sell. Interesting uh, possibilities, all I'm saying. I don't know. How do I know?
1: I agree. I mean, uh, saying it's to promote it as the one and only uh, time it'll ever happen, it's a good way to sell tickets. It's also a good way to have fans lose faith in you if you break your word on that. That said, sometimes... You can make the plausible case you meant it when you said it, but the demand is so great that we're going to do give the fans what they want, even if it breaks our word that it was going to be a one-time-only match. If you frame it right and that demand is genuine, I think you can get away with it. Not too often, every now and then.
0: I just think it's good business to have that have a return match in their back pocket if one they want to use it. It's yeah. like having a you know a annuity. It's there. Yeah. You paid for it. You already done did the angles. You already had the match. Now, now you're going to promote the return. So who knows? I think it's going to be awesome. I'm going to call it with Josh Barnett. On uh, we both re-signed our contracts with Access. We're going to do that the morning of January the fifth, Thursday, Thursday January yeah Thursday January fifth in L.A. And then it's going to be part of a three all that stuff we do there is going to be part of a three hour special on Saturday night. So that's a very ambitious. Production schedule for somebody that doesn't do that—that's not their belly weight, you know. Their music and movies, and they have you their know. MMA on Friday nights. So they're trying to build, as you can see, and invest in the New Japan band. I'm not so sure that those that watch uh, New Japan World and are follow the New Japan product closely, Wade. I don't know that sometimes they actually understand how viable Access TV has been in creating name identity for the New Japan brand. With that primetime slot every Friday night every Friday night, so some uh, d- down the road people are going to find it anyway i 'm looking forward to that whole weekend it 's going to be great, hopefully following a big Rose Bowl victory for my sooners, the uh, <laughs> George Bulldogs, speaking of events because if it had been for Vince, i would have been the contract would not have been done at access TV, which I really appreciate in a lot of ways. But what are your initial thoughts on the uh, privately funded business the Alpha Entertainment, as we've read. I've not talked to one soul at WWE about this matter. Whatever I know is probably what you, I've known less than you I'm thinking because I know what's just kind of been out there on the Internet here, there, and yon. How did you take that announcement, and what do you think it means to the big picture of WWE? Well,
1: I think if you look at the context of the XFL and how that went, I think there's two key factors. One, and the smaller factor is the wrestlers were upset that they felt, at a time that Vince McMahon's full attention was needed, after the, the high of the Monday Night War era, um, and all the money that came in, that, that Vince's, they needed Vince's attention on the product, and you can speak to this better than I can, but I, I'm telling you what I heard from people, and it felt, people perceived, whether it was accurate or not, that the XFL became a focus of Vince that came at the expense of the wrestling product, so, that That's one thing. But I think the financial aspect bothered some people. Wait a second. All the profits from our hard work is going for this this long-shot venture because Vince wants to, for whatever reason, get involved in something else. Well,
0: that didn't nothing. happen. That, I promise you that. That did not happen because I was doing the payroll. The only thing that Vince uh, collaborated with me on was these pay-per-views, and we used the same formula, the same monies. So nothing changed. Nothing. I swear. And, yeah. And I got no reason to lie to you. What the hell? I'm telling you the truth. No. But that, it, so that money didn't have an issue there. But I can see how they would think that perhaps, no doubt.
1: And that's the thing, the thinking was, well wait a second, we're getting paid, all, we're getting paid this much, but there's that much extra to go start some XFL league. Again, I'm not speaking at the moment because it's an hour conversation like about the fairness of it or the or the, the accuracy of it, but what he's done, and this is kind of building up to a compliment, is by saying it's this other company. He's telling WWE wrestlers, employees, stockholders, hey, this is something I I'm, I'm trying off to the side. And I think that's smart to avoid any perception that some money that belongs in other places is going in the wrong is going in the wrong way. Number two, Vince's personality as such, where I get the sense he sees this as something incomplete in his life that he'd like to fix. And if the opportunity is there or the inspiration is there to look into it. And it's a very broad statement WWE put out that he's looking into not restarting the XFL but just sports ventures maybe his own maybe in line with the NFL very broad but Vince McMahon deciding he wants to be part of that club of sports owners or league presidents doesn't surprise me
0: well and, let me tell you this Excuse yeah. me. but he grew up in Carolina yep. he's a North Carolinian the owner of the Carolina Panthers is going to sell their team after yep. the season yep so I'm thinking huh could it be is there anything to that now I again I've not talked to anyone, but I'm looking at it's the NFL, a franchise in the National Football League, is generally a really, really good investment. And it comes with a lot of clout, and a lot of credibility, a lot of options to make money. If you're a marketer and you can, you can do this little fine-tuning, you can have that football team like Jerry Jones, who's actually a friend of Vince's, associate, they, they talk. Jerry Jones has done that in at AT and T Stadium, so that's just a throwing it out there. I don't have any idea, and I may just be absolutely crazy. And he may eventually want to do something on his completely sell his own ship. Everything that could happen too. But I'm, I'm thinking that what it does here's what it does for me. It tells me that he's got great energy at 72. It tells me that he has really developed an amazing amount of confidence in Paul Levesque. Because it's obvious to me, Wade, that on just workload wise, hours in the day, and even he can't make more hours, and that is that it looks as if Triple H, Paul Levesque, is going would have a bigger role in the overall picture of things, and I really am comfortable with him managing the wrestling side. Really, I am. I think he's going to be the guy anyway. i kind of it's a wait and see thing, but I'm really curious, and I got to believe that Vince is going to invest his money. He's done a lot of research going in. There's been a lot of money spent. I bet already on data research, I find it very intriguing. And I don't find it as negative as some, because I don't think it right now, Vince is a key guy always will be, but he was really the key guy in the attitude era and I was worth right there side by side with him. So is Kevin Dunn. Uh, I just believe that his staff is bigger. He's got a lot of good people there in that resting side and his son-in-law's doing a hell of a job. He's got Shane back here doing some work and his daughters, you know, very visible. I don't know how much better you would think the wrestling business side would be until those, that group is given a chance to see where they're going to take it. That doesn't bother me as far as the wrestling side is concerned.
1: I think it's a great point. I think Triple H is showing in NXT. You know, I said I probably philosophically side with Jim Cornette over the Young Bucks stylistically, but I'm less, you know, hard and fast about my way being the only way that can work. Triple H and what he's done in NXT just checks so many boxes for what I think is the, uh, is a, Foundationally timeless set of fundamentals that make pro wrestling work at its ideal uh, in, in its ideal presentation there i just I love little details that they go that the little details and the big broad strokes of how NXT presents the product and that's triple h 's vision and the vision of people that he trusts hmm. and, and listens to and and, and helps him. so I am not at all fearful um, uh, at all of, of Triple H taking over more of the creative side and the, the big picture side. That said, Ben McMahon has a knack for turning WrestleMania into a big show and making, having those, those real peak moments that feel gigantic. And he just, it has a, you've seen it. You know, there's, you know, there's been panics over the years. What's WrestleMania going to be? And in the end, almost always he finds a way to, to find something special and hit that crescendo. And so that's the one area where Triple H isn't as tested, and it's where Vince has is, is really shown that, that ability to make WrestleMania huge. So other than that, other than that and I think Triple H should probably be fine, it's just not proven. Uh, but in terms of what I've seen with NXT and the TakeOver specials and the weekly TV show, if there's more, the differences between NXT and the Ron SmackDown product, I want to, if, if Ron SmackDown become more like NXT... But with the challenge of five hours a week live instead of one hour a week pre-taped, um, if those can be translated, I- I'm excited about where WWE goes. So, in this case, yeah, Vince ends up a little more preoccupied with something that's non-wrestling. I think there's probably some people who think that might be a good thing for the product, uh, as-, as long as Vince keeps an eye on things.
0: Oh yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that, and I think, as you mentioned, Paul Levesque's done a phenomenal job. I've been had the opportunity to work a couple of those uh, NXT Takeover shows. They're just fun as hell, man. It's just rela- more relaxed and more focused. And I just really enjoy the fact they bring it physically. So uh, it's a wait-and-see situation. Interesting story, to say the least. And we'll keep our eye on that matter. But I am uh, I think some good things can come out of it in a lot of ways. It really intrigues me. And, uh, hey, look, if he needs a football guy, I'm, I'm available. I've got some free time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What did you think of the Ring of Honor pay-per-view on Friday night that kind of created a little bit of a, that we mentioned earlier in the Twitterverse thing? Overall on the show, I always have said that the toughest thing to do in wrestling, arguably, is to close a Ring of Honor pay-per-view in a one-on-one match. Because by the time they get to you, they have seen everything. And I guess, you know, you can say, you can make the argument, well, we do it that way because it pushes the other guys. They're main eventers they got to be able to close. But they're not making it easy on them. Obviously, so I guess there's two sides of the coin. But point being is, what were your thoughts on the, on the show? And I was surprised at the finish in the main event.
1: I, I was surprised at the finish in the main event, too. Um, I, was, I was a little late getting to the show because I actually snuck in some Christmas shopping Friday night. But, but I, I was going to make the point earlier and didn't, but I, I will do it now regarding the Young Bucks and that approach. When, when I say, hey, if, if the fans like it and you're giving the fans what they want, then it's okay. I think you have to put – there's a caveat to that because every match isn't on its own, doesn't live in its own universe. Every match is part of a larger painting that for a pay-per-view is a three-hour show, generally three hours, four hours for the bigger shows. And what you just said is, I think is is very important for promoters putting shows together to keep in mind. There should be an ebb and a flow to a show, and I like there being some restrictions – that wrestlers put on themselves or the promoters put on wrestlers to not overdo it on certain things yeah. so that the crowd's not burned out by the main event.
0: Exactly. You build your whole show around the main event. If you're not, that's a very strange way of booking, is all I'm saying. But the main events, the closest show has got to be the be-all, end-all. And I just believe that when you say, well, put some restrictions on the guys prior to that, I've got no problem with that. Because if you're that good a worker and you're that talented, you take what tools you're allowed to play with in your toolbox – and you make it work. And if you if you have to have concrete bumps and chair shots and everything else, then maybe you're not as good as you're not good enough to be here. One thought.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. And and I think that's where there can be some selfishness on the part of some wrestlers wanting to get their spots in. Yeah. On the undercard. That's and-
0: what it, that's what it is. Too selfishness.
1: Yeah. And, and not everybody understands that or, or, or thinks about it in that way. They're like, I want to sell my T-shirts. I want to build my social network following. I want to earn some indie dates. I want to steal the show. Absolutely. And, and I understand that. I mean, it's you got to look out for yourself in this business, but the promoter who hires you and pays you ultimately should have that larger vision and enforce it. And and that should be part of the package that makes you attractive to other promoters if you're a free agent out there making a go of it. And so I think, and I've had this complaint about ROH for a while, that there's a lot of matches that on their own are really fun to watch, but when you watch an entire three-hour show, it can be an overwhelming, exhausting, discombobulating, mind-numbing event sometimes where there's so much blood, so much violence, so many gigantic spots, and so many different styles on display going 100 miles an hour that I, I sort of, when I'm done with it, I want to cleanse myself with an NXT TakeOver special. Because going back to Triple H and, and that philosophy, I really, really, really like what they do in terms of the pacing of those shows. Every match is part of a, of a, it's part of a canvas that takes into account everything else that happens on that show. And I think that's an area where ROH philosophically differs from me. I think they just have this balls-out, all-action, adrenaline rush approach and I think that it does sometimes lead to a flat feeling at the end, especially when you have more conventional wrestlers like Cody and Dalton going out there and trying to build around you know, a blood spot and working an injury and building to a finish that, based on what happened earlier in the night, sort of felt flat, I think. You know, the crowd was shocked by Dalton winning, but the near falls and the buildup it, it it couldn't compete with what they had seen earlier with, with the Briscoes or what they had seen in the previous match. Even so, that that that's my that's a critique that I have, and it sounds like you kind of share that.
0: I do, I do, absolutely, folks. see uh, wades on Twitter at the Wade Keller, and he also has a at PW Torch. So, yeah. uh, following there on Twitter, you know, uh, he's at Podcast One, just like this show. If you listen to ours, you should listen to his and vice versa. And uh, he's been kind enough to help us support ours, and we're helping him as his. And, but I appreciate you jumping on, and I hope you have a great holiday. Everybody's healthy and happy in your household, and I really uh, thank you for joining us. I've been uh, reading your stuff for, what, 30 years?
1: Yeah, 30 plus thirty years this, uh, this October.
0: Yeah, about, I, well, I guess 30. It felt 30, about 30, a long time. Yep. Yes. So I was in my 30s when I started reading Wade Keller. And wow. Now, and now look at my sad ass. I'm old. <laughs> hey, Wade, thanks, buddy. I appreciate you very much. Uh, have a great holiday, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon.
1: Anytime, Jim. Always a pleasure.
0: It's good to catch up with Wade Keller, Pro Wrestling Torch, at the Wade Keller on Twitter. Always has a lot to say. Very informed guy. And we will be talking soon to another dude. This is about as opposite as Wade Keller as you can get. Conan, my friend Carlos, is going to join us, talk about all his gigs, and he's got a lot of them, folks. But before we do, i got to thank one of our sponsors who helps make this podcast free and possible, and that's True Car. Well, 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 here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of. I bet you didn't know that a coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. How about that? I bet you didn't know that removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage. And not, not eating a bean burrito in your car drastically reduces the risk of finding stray beans in your vehicle. And gas. Ready for one more tip you might not know about True Car? That is, True Car also helps people get used cars. Quality used cars. That's right, TrueCar isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience whether you buy new or used. And with TrueCar, users can see what others paid for the same basic vehicle so they know if they're getting a good deal or not. They're always more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with True Car certified dealers. It's that simple. Cutting to the chase here. When you're ready to buy a new car or a used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I guarantee it. Right, Gordon? Well, you're right again, Jr. It's the uh, some features are not available in all states. Uh-uh. Uh, this is Bulldog Bob Brown. If you want to get, 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 just read it. Uh, if you want to get over and stay over, you should check out the new episode of Kill- Killing the Town every Tuesday at PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe at iTunes. Hey, Geigle, what the hell is iTunes? Okay, folks, before we welcome Conan to the podcast, to the Ross Report, that's what you're listening to, and I thank you for that. I do want to remind you very quickly to hit that uh, subscribe button at Apple Podcast, because if you do, it'll help us with our ratings. It will automatically download into the device that you choose every Tuesday night at nine o'clock. It's free to download, free to subscribe, piece of cake. So check it out. I will thank you very much. I would suggest maybe leaving a five-star rating if you if you choose and uh, a review at Apple Podcasts. I thank you for that, and it was a big help to us. I can tell you that right now. It takes about a minute, and we thank you. Subscribe to The Ross Report on Apple Podcasts with our thanks. This, this is The Ross Report. At Conan5150 on Twitter. If you don't know, yeah. you should know. You should follow him. What's up, brother? Yo, what's up, Jr. How are you been? Uh, are you feeling good? You look good last yeah. time I saw you.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm great, bro. I'm just like yeah. you. I'm loving life, and, and, right. and look at all the opportunities you're getting. I've gotten a lot of opportunities.
0: This is a fun time to be in the business. Sure, you yeah, have. it is. How are you yeah. enjoying podcasting, keeping it 100 with Conan? I see a lot of real good feedback on your show. How'd you come up with the format, and how are you enjoying doing it?
2: Well, what happened was is, uh, I was working with this guy called Court Bauer at MLW, and uh he had brought me in once for an interview, and he got really good feedback, so I started my own show, and I was pretty raw with my language, and I just really didn't – I knew I wasn't going back to WWE or, you know, WCW was was gone, and so uh, the only people around that time, JR, I think, that were doing podcasts might have been Cole Cabana. Uh, I think Meltzer might have had, I'm not sure, but um so basically um nobody was charging for podcasts back at that time. And I told Cork bro, I think that what we have here is kind of special and people will pay for it. And so we got it, and People did pay for it. And then Jericho heard me and Jericho said, I'm going to start my own network on podcast one. Would you come do your show there? And here's the other thing that I think that, that really separated me from a lot of the people at the beginning, like, I don't just talk wrestling. I talk pop culture, sports, you know, politics, uh, everything.
0: You're a renaissance man.
2: Carlos, you're a you're I wouldn't a go
0: that far. Okay. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go that just far. To, I'm just trying to put you over, brother. <laughs> I know you
2: are, and I'm not letting you. Bro, let, I have to tell you this real quick. because You have no idea how much of a humongous, maybe not as much as you, but I'm damn close, of a humongous college football fan I am of the Miami Hurricanes, so I know how big it is for you to be facing Georgia, who's on a roll. Unfortunately, you ran into Iowa State, yeah. but I did love that shootout with. I was at Texas A and M, they were like sixty-two fifty-two or something like that.
0: Oh you yeah. remember that
2: game? Oklahoma State. Oh,
0: yeah. you know, we call that Bedlam. It's yeah. our Bedlam series. So
2: yeah, I that was awesome. Um, and I'm also looking forward to because this is what I predict: the Alabama Clemson game. I think that's the game where Alabama. Is turning the keys over to Clemson as the number one school in the nation, and of course my Hurricanes against Wisconsin. So I'm pumped.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I'm glad to see the U back in the game. I really am. See, when Oklahoma was down in in the late '90s, mid '90s, it didn't didn't seem right, and it it didn't it didn't seem right because of money and blowing up the leagues. That the Saturday after Thanksgiving, we're not playing Nebraska. Right, that doesn't right. seem right either. It so.
2: doesn't seem right for me. I'm from Miami that the Orange Bowl isn't around. Let me tell you something that I also love about college football games. Like, for example, I love traditions and I love mascots. And I'm going to start with you. I love the Sooner Schooner. <laughs> yeah. I love, you know, the the, the the I love the horses coming out with the chuck wagon. And I love how one, they're like, they are two white ponies, and one's called Boomer, and the other one is called Sooner. Yep. You know, I'm a big fan of animals, like the Georgia bulldog, oh, Ralphie the Buffalo, that uh, the, the, the Texas steer Bebo. I love how when, like, Ralphie comes out, he's accompanied by all these handlers who try to make sure the beast doesn't get loose and trap on anybody. There's,
0: yeah, happy holidays, ladies and gentlemen. Happy holidays out there. Uh, <laughs> I was talking to uh, our friend, our mutual friend, Raphael Morphy. He, I was, uh, I, he's I, awesome. He's a vest. I was with him. a with Cuban. Yeah, he is a Cuban. You're right.
2: Well, when you see somebody from your own ilk, you're happy to see him. Yeah. Hey, yeah. know, hey, you're Cuban, you know. Yes. I, not, I, I'm going to tell you one guy that surprised me. I didn't know that you known Cody Rhodes, because Dusty was yeah. married with a Cuban lady.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Michelle, Cody's yeah. mother, is yeah. Uh, Cuban. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. know Cody. Yeah, yeah.
0: so hey, Cody's got a little Cubanality in him.
2: Sorry. Yeah. A little Scarface in them.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Right. How many promotions do you work with
2: yeah. right now? I work with, uh, two with, uh, impact and, uh, one that just started called Aero Lucha.
0: The Aero Lucha show had a taping about a week ago, folks in Nashville that sold out the uh, right. arena there. I saw some glimpses of it. it looked really good on television. It looked like a good right. TV shoot. Now, I didn't see the matches. But the look right. of it, I thought, and then I talked to Raphael, and he said my man Keith Mitchell is on site. So that, that made me feel like somebody was there to notice what they're doing. Because he, right. he does. Good old Keith he, can more, he can make more He can make or less than anybody I know. But uh, what did you think of the taping? Are you involved in the creative of that, Carlos? Is that your gig there?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically booking the talent and putting together the story with a Vince Russo. And so basically, you know, we're having a big, we're having a big, Shift and', wrestling, and you've seen all of the ones and all of the chatter between Cormier and the young bucks and all that and Jim, are you an announcer for nXt now? No were you an announcer at any time or no?
0: I have done a couple of matches at the nXT takeover, and I did some stuff for him early for s c w but I don't know though I might have been on some early episodes of nXt Carlos, but not anymore. I mean Ronello does that
2: okay, but I wanted to ask you this question because you come from another era, as do I. Okay. And you see all the arguments. What do you think when you see modern, modern wrestling is what I would call
0: it. I believe it's like food and I like a lot of different kinds of food, man. And I also respect others' rights to express what they like or they don't like. I will say this at the end of the day, for our brothers and sisters in the wrestling business, I want everybody to be successful. There's no reason for me to have an agenda based on my, right. my, my goddamn ego or anything else, to wish anything ill on our fellow wrestling people. So right now, I believe it's the best time that I've been in the business uh, ever. It's the best time to be a fan. It's the best time to be making money off of it. So I got no problem with that. Here's what I worry about. I'll tell you what real simple my deal is. Wrestlers that take an extraordinary amount of risk, like uh, taking big bumps on the apron or on the concrete floor or into the states. Right. The more you do it, the more your chances go up, you're going to hurt yourself. We know the insurance in the wrestling business is non existent, pretty much. Right. So I don't understand the volume of those bumps. And most of the time, or sometimes they don't even lead to the finish. So that bothers me a little bit, Carlos, quite frankly. Right. And the other thing I don't like, because there's a lot of things I do like, but one thing I don't like is when a match looks over choreographed. Right, there's not a misstep along the way. It's one, two, three, dip. One, two, three. You know, you know what I mean. It's like a dance. Right, right. And I right, like, I like right, a little right. bit more choppy, a little bit more coarse. Yes. more. Right. Impromptu, man.
2: So this is what what I think. I think that um, you know. You got to let horses run. You got to let the eagles fly. And when you tell a young guy not to be a risk taker in an era of risk taking and where everything, you know, you look at skateboarding and it's early, you know, it it was very rudimentary. The boards and the tricks were just as rudimentary and everything starts evolving. And I do think that these young guys that are doing all these crazy moves, because that's what the fans are paying to see. and, uh, And there is an audience for it is when they go up to the main event, main event guys don't work like that, you know, and they tell a story and they slow it down and, you know, Ray doesn't, and as you get older, you work smarter. But you can't tell a young guy to slow down because they're not going to. Because I remember when I first broke in, Jim, I used to do, you know, I started in Mexico. I started Lucha Libre. So I was bing, 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 no psychology. You can imagine when I went to WWE in 1990 and they were just looking at me like, where did this come from? And I was actually called a, a, a jumping bee, Mexican jumping bee, you know, and nobody knew what what, what was going on. And so I just think that a lot of the the young guys, when they were watching the business, they got tired of seeing rest holds and, you know, long matches when they could have quick matches and tag into another guy. And he comes in and it's a quick match and it's always, you know, moving. Um But I do think that as they get older, they'll learn to work smarter due to their age injuries. And because the main event style isn't that style.
0: You make some really valid points that I can understand. And the yeah. thing is, Carlos is that I think that along the way, and you're so right about, you got to let horses run, you can't restrict these guys. But what I'd like to do, I'd like to challenge talents to say on a house show run where you say, I want to finish in 12 minutes, we need 20. No, you're going to do it in 12 minutes. Right. And I don't want these three things to happen. Now put your match together, however you want, but this is your outline for the night, because here's what you are. You're a performer. I'm the producer. And the, right. and the production company pays you so this right. is, this is what we what we need for you to do this night, and tomorrow night right. it may be something entirely different that 's right. how you learn but if you tell young guys, give them your advice carlos they 're going to listen to you now they might not right. listen to me because I 'm an old fart you know they would listen to you you know they would listen to you so I think you're right they will slow yeah. down eventually jim i 'm just like you there's
2: nothing from a creative standpoint and and this is the way I used to try to book and Triple A, and you'll see this is the way I'll be booking Aero Lucha. There's nothing better to me than a well-layered peeling the onion with a couple swerves, slow burning storyline, and that's what I love to do. And that's what I do usually for the main event or guys that are in a feud. But everybody else, I just let them entertain the fans.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I get that. So you got the taping in Nashville was very successful. It looked good, as we said, and I heard some of the the matches. Nobody complained about the matches, so that's very rare, quite frankly. Well, that's a good sign. But were you up there in the uh, five- or six-day Canadian shoot for Impact?
2: Oh, yes, I was. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was. We went somewhere else where the people were fresh. They were ready to go. You know, they were pumped up. You know, I heard that they had paid people to come in as if that's the only wrestling or TV show that's ever done that. But I can tell you this. I will tell you this, there were a lot, not a little, but a lot of fans that knew all the storylines and all the catchphrases. So there were a lot of guys that were not paid to go. And just that raw energy, you know, motivates you. You know, and plus they were, the fans were very nice. Like after the show, everybody went to the same place and the fans were just chilling with the boys. And it's, uh, and it was a good time.
0: Well, what do you think of the new group there, the entourage of the Canadian? Oh,
2: it's a Canadian jersey. Uh-huh. Started by Chris Jericho, and it includes the, the, <laughs> uh, Scott Tubbs, diamore Lord Cyrus, and uh, Lance. I love um, Ice Curling Storm.
0: So, Carlos, you got a Canadian team. Does that mean that the office may end up being in Toronto and you maybe do more things in Canada?
2: That could happen because um, I know that when I was talking to uh, Ed Nordholm, he was telling me that they, they saved a lot of money like on tax breaks and stuff like that from filming in Canada, so that could be a possibility.
0: Yeah, not a bad idea. That's why people make a lot of movies in Vancouver. Right. So you got the impact thing going the next. How do you like doing the uh, four or five days in a row thing? Is it better in Orlando or is it still challenging? It's
2: just, yeah, it's hard because I'm not used to being on the road like that. Now, remember, I was on the road and so were you. You know, there were times back in the days. Uh, in Mexico and even in WCW when we were on the road 30 days straight. Mm. And that was, you know, a lot of times. And you rest a day or two, if you can even call it rest, and you're back on that grind. And, you know, it's almost like it becomes ingrained. And you wake up, you know, forget, get the car, you know go to the hotel, get a workout in. Uh, you know, it was just the same thing every day, different city. You didn't even know where you were, what day it was or what happened. And so me now going on the road for four days, it's very taxing for me. I have a fun time because I don't have to worry about booking, or writing promos, producing, or none of that stuff. I just go, kind of like Paul Heyman does, I just go in, I cut a promo, and I
0: did You get to create your own copy, too, right?
2: Right, right. They're real. They're, it would be very hard for them to write my character, to tell you the truth. Yeah. So they kind of give me, they do give me a lot of, uh, you know, liberties.
0: Well, I would give you a couple of bullet points that we want to make sure you yeah. get in and, and tell you how much time you had and let you have at it. If it wasn't good, we'd talk about it later, and we'd fix it. Right. Or... We'd right. add something to it. I would try to stymie your creativity, because that's what they, one of the things they hired you for. Because you ain't going to go out there and take a bunch of Hurricanranas and topees right. and all that stuff right. anymore. I well, I don't need to. No. Uh,
2: yeah, and I, don't, and I don't need to. So my whole thing is, like like anything else, you know, when you're a heel, you try to get heated. When you're a babyface, you just take stuff to get over. It's harder to be a babyface, than because... Mm. Uh, The crowd is just uh, very different nowadays, and if you come off of anything phony or, or, you know what I'm saying, they'll jump all over you.
0: Yeah, I uh, think uh, a lot of heels that I've seen in the several companies, they had rather be cool, Carlos, than than a villain. In my opinion, in today's wrestling world, that many heels had rather be cool heels than be a real true villain. That people pay money to see them lose and get their ass Right.
2: Bro, we have that that problem in Mexico, too. You know, the heels actually ask for applause sometimes. And I'm like, bro, the only thing you're missing are the pom-poms. Remember Chief Jay used to say that. That was awesome. (laughs) And I always tell the heels, bro, how would you like it if you were a babyface and the heel is dividing the crowd to see how many people like you and how many people like him? Go over there and beat his ass and get some heat, you know? And so, yeah, people want to be liked. You know, they want to be cool heels like a Flair or a Holland Nash or something like that. But even Flair knew how to get heat when he had to. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying?
0: Sure did. Okay. I think a lot of guys, they may believe, and they may have, it may be true, true. Right. a lot of them are supplementing their income with their gimmicks. And right. so they may believe that if I'm, if I'm a real badass heel and I right. have no redeeming social right. qualities, that right. might, it might affect my merchandising.
2: And the people are smart enough to know that you're doing a persona, And if, they, and if you do it right, they're going to buy your merch. Bingo. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, hell yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's incredible. And, so, but, and let me tell you who, who had real heat, JR. Guys that people perceived shouldn't be where they are. Ginger Mahal had real heat. More heat than anybody. You know what I'm saying? Because people were like, well, this guy was, you know, was used, wasn't used very well his last time around or any time he was in WWE. And all of a sudden he's up here. And, you know, in today's world of, you know, great work rate, when you got to, you know, be in the same company as AJ Styles and some of these other guys, Samoa Joe and all them, you know, they don't like his work rate, you know, real heat. And Corbin? Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin. Yeah. He had some real heat too. You know what I'm saying? Because people thought, you know, Nakamura should have gotten it.
0: You know what I'm saying? WWE has done a nice job. And the Paul Levesque and uh, William Regal, specifically, right. and others too, obviously. But they got a good talent roster. They got some, some yeah. of the best workers in the world. Yeah, they did a great job. Who do you think's better, Carlos, bell to right. bell, than AJ Styles? I don't know
2: AJ Styles. You know, I worked with him many years in Cine. We actually shooter with the MLAX against Christopher mm-hmm. and AJ. And you knew that he was going to be really special. And plus, he's a nice kid, so yeah. I'm happy for him. I don't know. I'm a big AJ Styles fan, you know uh, I'm a big fan of you know Nakamura when he was in New Japan. Uh, big fan of um, you know uh, you know Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, uh, uh, Samoa Joe, Brock Lesnar. You know those are the guys that I that I really like. I'll tell you the most over guy to me on either show. Are you ready for this guy? Yep. Elias. Really? That is my favorite character. I love the way he comes out buries the crowd, sings a song, burying the crowd. His delivery, his timing is incredible, bro. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's really funny to me. Obviously, they haven't put him in any good matches where he means anything. I mean, it really buried him when he did that angle where like Jordan or Gabe or whatever his name is, you know, the guy that's supposed to be a son. Yeah. Came out and was like throwing food at him. I don't know if you ever saw yeah,
0: that. I, I did see that. I didn't quite get that one.
2: That was very hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. But I like Elias. He's my favorite character, believe it or not. Who's your favorite character right now, or who do you enjoy
0: watching? AJ is just, I I haven't seen him have a bad match, man. With more refined talents, he just takes it off the page. He's creative. He's innovative. He works snug. He sells so well. And a lot of guys that have no self-esteem or self-confidence believe, Carlos, and I think you'd probably agree with this, is that selling is a great thing. Learning to sell in right. levels is in degrees is a great thing. That's the missing piece to me in a lot of things. When a lot of these kids work real fast and they take the big right. wonderful bumps we were talking about earlier, they oftentimes their matches don't sell what's done to them. So you let yeah. the guy execute a hell of a move and then you sell it for like maybe twenty, fifteen, twenty, thirty seconds. It makes
2: no so sense. So let me let me tell you because that's the thing, bro. See I grew up on American wrestling, right? Like I didn't grow up wanting to be a wrestler or nothing like that. So I grew up on American wrestling. I followed it every now and then. Then I came back to it. And then one day when I was 23 years old, I went to Tijuana to watch a wrestling match. And I was absolutely blown away by all the acrobatics and the masks and, and the blood and the, and the, just the rabid fans. It was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, you know, this is much more exciting than American wrestling because American wrestling had the rest hold. And, you know, just, it was just very slow compared uh, to the Lucha Libre style. So what you have to understand, so, you know, when I went to Mexico, I had to learn a new style. And then when I came back to the United States, I had to be deprogrammed when I went to WCW because I only knew Lucha Libre. So when you watch Mexican wrestling, you can't watch it like um, if you're watching American wrestling, because there are matches where there is no psychology. There is no selling. It's just a match just to show athleticism and entertain the people, almost like a circus. You know, and then there's the match that there is a feud and there is a storyline and there is selling. Mm-hmm. But other matches don't really involve selling. That's why when people get mad at it, Mexicans look at it like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like American going to England and he's never seen soccer. What the hell is this? Mm-hmm. Or you going to Japan and asking why isn't anybody with a fork? Well, we huge chopsticks here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just a different thing. And you have to you have to kind of open your mind a little bit to the fact that some matches to, to Lucha Libre, we don't care about the Sully.
0: Speaking of Lucha Libre, you, you've got a great friendship with uh, young men I think the world of and I helped bring to WWE and Rey Mysterio. Right. You guys are almost like brothers, aren't you? Yeah,
2: exactly.
0: We are. Yeah. Uh, I love that guy. Uh, I really do. You're really such an overachiever in a, in a business that normally would suppress people of his size, but that just tells right. you how good he is.
2: Think about this. We, we've seen great wrestlers, uh, great promos, guys that people steal moves from, guys that steal people line from, famous matches. But how many guys actually revolutionize a sport? Because he revolutionized wrestling.
0: And what respect do you think?
2: Brought in that high-flying style that is all the rage right now. Oh, gotcha. You look at NXT, you look at 205, you look at most of wrestling, a lot of it is lucha libre influenced mm-hmm. high style wrestling that him and Juventude and psychosis and all them. When I, I see all the wrestlers that almost all the wrestlers, when they come up to me, they say, I used to watch your tapes. I used to watch your tapes. I used to watch your tapes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so he was a guy that I think, you know, really mm-hmm. revolutionized wrestling for smaller guys. Got it. Yeah. And you even see, you even see bigger guys doing high flying moves nowadays. And that's that that Luce influence that he started with with Hoov the psychosis. You don't think so?
0: No, I, I, I see what you're saying. The smaller guys, yeah. uh he's way ahead of his time. Way ahead of his time. Yeah. And like you yeah. said, he's influential in a lot of ways. Uh ring attire, right. the mask is right. unique. He always spent money and, and put a lot of thought in what he looked like. He sells he's maybe the most empathetic seller I've ever seen. Like you just like, hey, I think he's already hurt. I think, he's, right. I think something's wrong with Ray. Right. And, you know, he's right. Just, he just does that good. And, and so many guys, just has got to remember, man, that that selling is an art form. And, it's, and like I used to tell guys, if you can't throw a punch, don't use it in a match. Just don't do it until right. you can do right. it well. Don't practice in front of the paying customers until you think you right. can do it well, especially on right. television. House shows, right. okay, try it. But TV, no. Ray's just a... He, he could sell and sell, and people would think, oh my God. And then he never died, but he never died. And so you tell that to a guy. Some kids just say, well, you got to learn to sell, kid, but don't die. Then Now you've right. lost them. They, right. they ain't got a damn clue. What do you mean?
2: Right, exactly. And, and the other thing um, about Ray is that he broke the blueprint to what a professional wrestler should look like. You know what I'm saying? And so it just opened up the floodgates to what we see now. There's never been as many minorities— whether it's, you know, as I right now resting wrestling, there's never been as many women. There's never been as smaller size wrestlers as there are right now in the You're, right.
0: you're right. And and, yeah. and Ray can raise a guy that led the way on that deal. I can tell you this. Yeah. If you're under six feet tall and you're making a living, next time you see Ray Mysterio, you should say thank you.
2: And for all of you guys that want to see another guy, I don't know how much you saw of him in Mexico. But if you, a lot of Americans go to Mexico and they're like, damn, we don't know how to work here. The style is different. I'm going to tell you two guys to watch. Just just watch them, and you'll be able to work in Mexico. Love Machine and Eddie Guerrero as a tag team. Incredible.
0: Wow. Yeah. This is legendary. They had chemistry you couldn't book. Yeah, exactly. Were you with them then, Carlos? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the backstory. I'll tell you
2: the backstory story real quick. Love Machine, I had met him in WCW when I first met you. I don't think you remember. 89. Yeah. yeah. And you actually called me one day. Right. I remember it was right around New Year's and you had called me and you said that you were gonna put me and Brian Tillman in a tag team together, but only I just got let go oh, yeah. and you were waiting on the new booker.
0: Right. Yeah. See he was a unique cat, man. I didn't know we could keep you heels, but I thought you could be right. cooler than hell and could live vicariously through you. But I loved Art Bar and uh right. Eddie. Art Bar so, so Art Barr was getting over too in W C W when he when he had a Right.
2: Loop. So so let me tell you, I met Art Barr. When I went there for that Pat, uh, O'Connor Memorial Cup, remember when they brought all those teams from around the world? Yep. For a tag team tournament? Yep. Okay. Well, obviously I went re- representing Mexico and Norman Smiley was representing England with Chris Adams.
0: Yep. Okay. Yep.
2: And uh, our bar was doing the juicer gimmick. Okay. So, you know, he got heat for that gimmick and they had to let him go, right? Cause people started writing in. And so I brought him and Love Machine to mexico eddie was already in mexico and eddie was believe it or not was wearing a mask he was resting for mexico and I was like, Eddie, why are you wearing a damn mask? Nobody in your family ever wore a, wore a mask. He goes, I don't know, but I don't like it. I go, look how much money I'm making in AAA. I go, jump over with us and take the mask off in the middle of the ring. He goes, I can't do that. I go, bro, your dad was a rebel. Chavo was a rebel. You don't need that mask. And he went on TV and he took off the mask. And he goes, I'm not Mascara Magica. I'm Ed Guerrero, the son of Gory Guerrero, the brother of Chavo Mando and Hector. And my uncle is Javier Yanez, which is like this big mexican legend a place just erupted you know and so i you know i introduced art to eddie i knew they would get along but i never thought they'd be that great a tag team they ended up being because they were phenomenal
0: yeah great chemistry just you had a great idea there carlos and but you know those two guys were luckily able to click and man they clicked big time there there was one time i really believed they were the best tag team in the world anywhere yes yes they were what do you think about old school the old school booking philosophies that Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega have utilized to build their Wrestle Kingdom 12 match on January 4th. I've been following it. I talked to Chris last week on on the show after he had uh, done the run-in in the arena and before the press conference. I've been kind of captivated by it. Kind of nostalgic in a way.
2: All right, I love it. I love it cuz that's what I grew up watching. So did you? You know what I used to love? I don't know. I don't know um if they used to do this like in Bill Watts territory, but they used to do this a lot like uh from the, I I grew up watching a lot of LA Olympic, you know, uh, Olympic Auditorium.
1: Yeah. And
2: <laughs> I would always love, I would always love when the the commentator was like, you know, announcing somebody, and another guy would just come from behind and beat him up during his own promo, you know. Yeah. And I used to love, I used to love that type of stuff. But where they would have the regional, they would say, "Coming to your town next week, San Bernardino, Hollywood, San Diego," like, and then you'd have like. Like, you have promos just for that market. Remember that? Because they did that oh, in WWE. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, We, we did it in Mid-South to... every week.
2: Right, right. I love that. And so, you know, in Mexico, I have those instruments, you know, because I definitely believe in red equals green, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I love watching the blood. I love watching them do what they're doing and and showing that wrestlers can be creative, too, you know, sometimes. And that's one of the problems with creative because people are paranoid that they're not going to get the credit. And then when a wrestler comes up with a good idea, either they steal it or they don't push it through because, you know, they're afraid. But, you know, a lot of wrestlers have good ideas. That I I would, I would dare say most of the top wrestlers, you know, part of the reason they got to where they got to is because they probably had a lot of creative input.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, out of doubt. And when you in the territories, a lot of guys uh, would, would come in with the the ear of the booker or the owner predetermined. Right. Or right. I, I remember the Grizzly Smith and uh Luke Brown or the Kentuckians, Right. And they, right. they did a program with Joe Hamilton and Tom Ernesto, who were the assassins right. named after the right. Kennedy assassination. The lovely right. Good old wrestling. So they did that program in multiple territories. And they would yeah. go in. They knew, they, they knew what they did week one. They, they knew how they got, they got themselves over. They knew how they finally got their paths crossed. And then, boom, right. the big angle on TV, let it roll. But they almost cost McGurk his license there. I think I wrote about that in my book uh, because of a hard way on TV that the announcer and the cameraman thought was fake until they right. got a close-up of this guy's bone and Jody Hamilton Hardway way grizzly. Anyway. Didn't the
2: Steiner brothers do that one time? Like Rick punched Scott for real in the eye because he needed like a black eye. You know what I'm saying? I
0: don't. They, I don't know that. To say yay yeah or no? Yeah, you would re- put it past him. No, but I would not. put Somebody said, what well, happened? I said, okay, I can see that. I can sure see that.
2: Right. Let, let me ask you one question real quick. See if this frustrates you as much as it does me. Jimmy Jacobs, who used to write for Chris Jericho in WWE, okay? He's now writing for TNA. So he was on my podcast, and we had asked him, you know, how many writers they have. And he said something like 25, Okay, and he even said that some guys specifically just do comedy, some guys specifically do promos and that they're very talented guys. And I was like, well, then why is the show so bad? You know, because they do a better job of burying people than putting people over. That 50-50 booking doesn't help anybody. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And so he was telling me, you know, it's really hard to do three hours, you know, every week, which I'm sure it is. Get more writers or better writers, because I almost feel like, did you ever see Breaking Bad? Oh yeah or um what's the one Game of Thrones
0: haven't got all in the Game of Thrones that I'm familiar with it
2: okay. well, I bet you if you told them their show would be three hours every Sunday instead of just one, it'd still be a great show. you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so I just get frustrated when you know you know w w e who invented everything, bro you know the vignettes, the you know how to get over, how to make a superstar that a lot of times they I feel just don't listen to the to the crowd. And, and it's just basically because it's kind of like a party of one, right? Like you have to have Vince happy.
0: Vince is the boss. He's like, every, he's like, right. he's like Bill Watts. There ain't no gray right. area. Right.
2: <laughs> and it's always great to have a great leader. That's what that
0: is. Well, true. yeah. And here's the other thing about that. In our business, where there's so damn many liars and, and BS artists, it was right. good to get a, an answer from somebody, a yes or a no, and know right. that it was a real yes or a no. And right. there were a lot of places I worked, and with a lot of guys I worked, where that wasn't always the case.
2: No, I know. I just think that if I don't think, and with all due respect, Bo, I know what he's brought to the to the plate and who he is. But I just think like a seventy year billionaire may not be in touch with his demo, and he should just let other people. You know what I'm saying?
0: Well, you know, you that, know. that may have that's going to happen someday, obviously. And uh, yeah. but I think. He's uh, loosening the strings of some of that. I think the building the brand of NXT is a good illustration that he's willing to let something grow with new ideas.
2: Yeah, organically. You're absolutely right.
0: So I I look at the glass half full in that regard. Hey, I want to ask you something about Ray. I just don't know. Obviously, Ray is one of the top uh, luchadors of all time. No doubt. Right. Where does he rank in the top? And who are the the top three in your estimation? Because I've asked guys that have knowledge of this, and you always hear El Santo. I have even had guys say Mill. But where does Ray fit in that conversation, Carlos? And who would be there with him at the top of that list?
2: Are we talking popularity or work rate?
0: Selling tickets.
2: Selling tickets. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ray never was a big ticket seller in Mexico because when Ray first got to Mexico, he was only 17. So we were still making him into what he became mm-hmm. in wcw he had a huge he had a huge growth period because he was in the ring even though the roster in 94 was incredibly talented like we had a, a very all these guys that i'm going to mention were all in their 20s and they had no injuries la parka Juventude, ray psychosis eddie guerrero you know love machine i mean the talent, a heavy metal the talent was incredible But they only knew how to wrestle each other, and they only knew one style. When Ray went to the United States, then he learned the American style, and he mixed it with the Mexican style. And that's kind of a hybrid that you're kind of seeing today in today's wrestling. So he wasn't a guy that was selling tickets yet in Mexico, but... Uh, in popularity, just nobody's ever gonna, nobody's ever going to be more popular than Santo. Cause Santo is like Superman and Batman put together. And he was doing movies, you know, as a wrestler. All right. So he was super over. And he was just the type of guy that had really good bases that made him look good. And he was so over that as long as he showed up, people were happy. And then nobody's ever gonna, nobody, nobody's ever going to be bigger than the number two guy called Blue Demon. And so he's super iconic. He was actually Milmont. He was actually Santos' partner, tag team partner in movies. Both their sons ended up having pretty big careers, and they don't talk to each other. But uh, Santos and Blue Demon are the biggest ones. And then I would think, you know, Rey Mysterio before all is said and done will probably be number three.
0: Yeah, the great. Boy, those are amazing talents. Very very gifted men, no doubt about it. Real quick here, Jericho, Omega, do you think they're going to do bigger business than last year's uh, Wrestle Kingdom? I do, by the way.
2: I'm going to tell you why I do, right? Yep. Because I don't think they think Jericho will come back. And if he does, it will be something that's just once a year. And I like the other wrestlers that you can see him all the time. So he becomes a special attraction, almost like they've done with Brock.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. They set a goal. I read online. Their goal is to sell 30,000 tickets, 30K. Now, the the arena for baseball seats 55,000. So I'm assuming for wrestling... It'd probably right. go around sixty sixty five so right. if that's somewhat accurate, then their goal was originally to sell half a house exactly and i i exactly. find I found that a little troubling quite frankly because I think that they should take a lead after McMahon and spend the money on the marketing and be everywhere, be ubiquitous mm-hmm. on television and all the media, and get make it an event and not just right. not necessarily a giant five hour wrestling card
2: plus one of the biggest things is that you know as you know people are in, you know, they've always been into them, but now more than ever, you know, those dream matches that you've never seen before, you know, the first time matchup, yeah, you know, so that, so that in Japan, the first time matchup of Omega and Jericho, they're both from Winnipeg, you know, and then he laid out Callus. I love Callus how he does the whole Andy Kaufman thing and wears the the thing around <laughs> the neck and his wheelchair through the airport. How yeah, awesome is that? That's funny. Yeah,
0: the only thing would right. be better if they gagged him.
2: <laughs> Him and my co-host Discorderno. Uh, so um, yeah, I, I, you know I think they're going to do good
0: business. I, I hope they do. Like I said, it's it's incumbent upon me at my stage of life and what I where I am within our business right. as an old right. timer. I get it. I'm a finally right. in that old timer league. That uh, I want all these guys to make a living. I want them to have the right. chances I've had, to live right. my dream in the business I love. I'm still doing it. I'm for every company, man. I don't say well the. You know, there's a bad night at Ross. So I'm now mad at WWE or there's a whatever on Impact Wrestling. You know, uh, the mad at them. Don't be mad at them. Right. Support them and right. hang, hang with them. I all of our teams. You and I talked about Oklahoma and Georgia on January first. Right. I will be at that game. I will be there. I'm coming out on the thirtieth of December. I'm going to miss nothing. And right. uh, <laughs> somebody's going to win the game. My team might not win. That's just the way it is. uh, Georgia's on fire, bro. I
2: think you had to have a little bit, and tell me if you didn't, a little chill ran down your spine when after Auburn kicked the holy hell out of Georgia, Georgia came back in that revenge game with that three-headed running attack, just ran all over them.
0: The running attack's going to keep Oklahoma's quarterback and offense on the sideline. That's yeah. where our defense has got to play above their abilities and get some right. three-and-outs and, and some short-time possession. A time possession okay. issue in Georgia winning that is not good news for Oklahoma's offense because that means they ain't out on the field. And I, I Let me tell
2: you that. what I'm going to put on my bucket list right now on your podcast, okay? You and me sometime in the near future, it'll have to be next year for sure, either going to a Miami game or to a Oklahoma game. And if we ever meet, we have to go.
0: I don't know about the tickets in Miami, but I can damn sure have right. Oklahoma. All right, I got you in my hometown, that's all for sure. All right, brother. All right, hey, look, right. I appreciate you yeah. uh, jumping on. Yeah, Conan has got a great podcast, folks. Keeping it 100 with Conan. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. There's a million places to listen to podcasts, and there's hell almost that many wrestling podcasts. This is a good one, and it's diverse. It's got wrestling, pop culture, and sports, and a lot of good things on it. And uh, don't blame Carlos for Disco Inferno. Just don't do it. No. Sometimes you've been known to give a helping hand to those in need and, you know, this oh,
2: goes 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> so real quick, let me say, you can also catch me on impact uh, on pop TV on Thursdays and arrow Luta um, after our successful venture in Nashville, Tennessee, which was incredible. Um, uh, we're going to be at the fair park Coliseum on the fairgrounds in Lubbock, Texas, Saturday, January 20th doors open at six 30 time seven 30. And then, on Friday, January 19th, we're going to be in Amarillo, Texas, at the Azteca Music Hall. Uh, doors open 6.30, showtime 7.30. We'll be sending out some lineups next week.
0: Where's the website for that information? You know?
2: Errolucha.com.
0: There you go, folks. You heard it from the man. Check it out. And uh, another company that's going out there on the road and to try to entertain you, and they're bringing their show on the road, and I can tell you they got some talented son of a guns. So you'll see some great action, no doubt about that. So check it out. Keep the up on your on the calendar, on their website. Follow Conan on Twitter. and he'll, you'll, you'll get all that information eventually because he's going to be talking about it. He should talk exactly. about it, right? Hey, man, thanks for yes. uh, joining me with football deals on. I will uh, done deal. And I uh, hope you have a wonderful holiday, Carlos. And I really uh, I value your friendship. I respect you. Your knowledge is non-paralleled. And I would just say that uh, – Errol Lucha has got a very good uh, man on the creative side. Good luck to you.
2: All right. Well, I, I can't leave this podcast with us, uh, without putting you over because this is from the heart. Much respect to you. Uh, your knowledge is unparalleled and invaluable. I love everything you've done and that you keep doing. JR, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Boom. The Ross Report. The Ross
0: Report. Really enjoyed talking to Conan. My buddy Carlos here tonight. Smart guy, man. Keep an eye on what he's doing. He's uh, always around things that are, I think are good. I mean, he's uh, when he's in control of the situation and the creative, he's pretty damn good at it, I'll tell you that. So, And maybe someday I will go to a game in Miami with him, but I'd rather him come to Oklahoma. I'll treat him like a king. Carlos should be the king of Oklahoma that day. And also thanks to Wade Keller, taking time out of his busy schedule for running the Daily Planet, also known as the Pro Wrestling Torch. He's the guy that made uh, old Bruce Mitchell rich. Wade Keller, yes sir. So Pro Wrestling Torch at the Wade Keller is uh, where you can find him on Twitter at PW Torch on Twitter as well. Good stuff there. Been reading it for years, about thirty years actually. Want to thank all you folks again that joined us in Boston. We we were at the uh, Laugh Boston, a wonderful club, great hospitality, good good people. Thank you. And the folks turned out. It's colder than hell. I really admire you. I don't think I'd have come to see JR on that cold day. It was cold. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Thanks to Jeremy Borash, who kicked ass as our MC and my tag team partner. We had a lot of fun, as always. And we sold a lot of books during our uh, show. And so I signed a bunch of them. Slobber Knocker, My Life in Wrestling is now available through Amazon and Borders and, you know, Bookends in New Jersey. By the way, Bookends New Jersey has signed copies that they will ship to you anywhere you are hearing this. Bookends. And they're in New Jersey. Easy to find. Google it, will you? And uh, get you a signed book from them. They're good people. And they'll take care of you. And I'm told that Amazon UK finally has Slavernocker back in stock. I'm not sure of that, but I'm told that. I hope that's right. But check it out. Online, you can check it out. Slavernocker, my life in wrestling, now at the UK Amazon UK. It's also in Amazon Australia. Just started that I heard. So check it out, folks. We appreciate the uh the support. We think it's a great Christmas holiday gift, good stocking stuff or whatever. Good read that we're proud of. And I'm glad I finished it. And I'm so happy that we that so many people like it. It's a story of perseverance. It's not just a, it's not a wrestling story. There's wrestling in it, no doubt. But it's about an old fat kid from Oklahoma that people said we're not gonna make it with a southern accent. And then, of course, then three bouts of Bell's palsy, you're not going to make it. And it's still around because I refuse to quit. And that's kind of what this book is about, refusing to quit and not allowing anybody else to tell you what you can be or what you can't be. Remember my granny said? Jimmy, somebody's going to do it. Why not you? Damn right, granny. They let me dream big, and and, and it worked out. What a life. Don't forget to support Podcast One and download the brand-new Podcast One app. You know, that's available at the App Store and on Google Play. It's a, really a one-of-a-kind app, very innovative, uh, very, really slick. It lets you experience podcasts in a way never before. That's at the App Store and Google Play, the Podcast One app. And don't forget, you can find all the links to my sponsors at com. Just click on the Killer Deals button in the right top right corner of the page. And then drop the bonic elbow on that Ross Report banner, baby. If you don't, it's going to be hard times. Hard times. Next week, uh, my guest, with your guest, Josh Barnett, youngest USC heavyweight champion ever, and my partner on Access TV, where we will be bringing you the uh, much anticipated Russell Kingdom 12 show beginning on uh, Saturday night, January the 6th in prime time, three hours. You want to see uh, good old Tanahashi and Jay White in the Intercontinental title match? Jericho and Omega, Alpha and Omega, no DQ now, no disqualification. And then the main event, or the last match on the card, depending on your perspective, is for the IWGP heavyweight title, Kazuchika Okada versus Tetsuya Naito, big time. We're going to voice those matches over on January the 4th. With a time difference, it's going to be a few hours after it finishes in Tokyo. It's going to be fresh. It's going to be good. So Josh and I will talk about that next week and what he's doing. And I want to ask him about uh, Conor McGregor. And Ronda Rousey getting into WWE at some point in time. Uh, Why people should be keeping an eye on Shayna Baszler. I have my reasons. He'll have his because he's a stranger. So a lot of good stuff next week with Josh. And then the Hall of Famer Kevin Nash will join us. He just had a massive knee surgery, like a knee replacement of his right knee, which is absolutely destroyed. So he's got that. uh, He's healing from that. Talked to Kevin about that. Today's wrestling. All kinds of good things. So, and money. You know, he's made a lot of money, and there's a reason for that. He'll tell us about that next week and what you might want to do to help your stash of money. Kevin Nash, Josh Barnett, two tough guys. My guest could be your guest right here next week on the Ross Report. So, folks, remember, folks, remember it's the holiday season. You cannot do too many nice things for people. You can't. Try. And tell me, I told you so later. You can't. Be nice to everybody you see as, as often as you can. And remember that our tomorrows are never guaranteed. From the rolling hills of my home state of Oklahoma, where I will be attending the Rose Bowl game on January 1st in Pasadena, California, where I hope that the Heisman Trophy winner, Becker Mayfield, and the phenomenon young coach, Lincoln Riley, lead my sinners to a victory and a, one more chance to win that eighth national title. It means a lot. Rose Bowl, here I come and right now I'm getting in my truck I'm going back to Norman and with that I'll say so long everybody thanks for listening to the Ross report download a brand
2: new episode every week at podcast one.com that's podcast
1: John brings his skewed sense of humor Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round together